Hello and welcome to the Coaches View podcast, a podcast hosted by professional football coaches. For those of you who love to look at the beautiful game in minute DL, my name is Harry Brooks. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm joined, as always, by the Welsh wizard, Richard Webster. Hello, mate. Hi, mate. You good? I'm good. This is our first ever podcast where we now get to see each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we see another each other, but, you, but I guess this is uh, another step I was forward. Say, so, yeah. Usually that would be a, a problem, but to be fair, uh, we've got a special guest today and he's a bit of eye candy. Um, so, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's going to be a good one. Um, he, basically, we've got a guest on today who is a semi-pro footballer um, called Jake Cass, a good friend of mine. Um, he's been a semi-pro footballer for a long, long time, and he's the exact kind of guest that we want to get onto this podcast, isn't he, Richard? Because you know it's all well and good talking about players like Harry Kane and those kind of players, but Jake is someone that's you know played football to a real level, um, relatable, and is someone that can certainly educate a lot of players out there nowadays that are looking to make it um, how to play the real game of football and you know the steps to take and the things to perhaps avoid. Yeah, man, I think it's I think it's going to be great for our listeners because you know we speak to young players all of the time, different levels of the game, and it's a real story. It's, it's from um, a player who's done really, really well in the game, still playing to a really, really high level, which is brilliant, and the different stories around that. And a lot of a lot of people we speak to or work with, for example, they're perhaps not aware of the actual ins and outs of football and, and you know what it's like to play at that at that type of level, which is a, a realistic level. Um, so I think it'll be a, a lot of good insights for a lot of people that we work with and a lot of people that would be interested to know a bit more about that, that type of football. I think we need to get him in because his face is getting redder and redder from the blushing, uh, from, the, from the compliments we're getting him. So with no further ado, let me introduce Jake Cass. Hello, son. How are you doing? Really good. Thank you, chaps. Thank you very much for, for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure. No, mate. It's a pleasure's all last. Pleasure's all last. So obviously yeah. it's a... Yeah, it's a weird time right now, mate, but how have you been cracking on? Obviously, it's such a crazy time and there's been more stories again today about the situation that non-league football is in right now. So how have you been with, with football and generally speaking? Yeah, um, oh, I've been, it's, a, it's a long story to be fair. Firstly, I'm a bit, bit disappointed that it's taken 15, 16 episodes for me to make an appearance, <laughs> but uh, we, we made it. We made it. Um, yeah, so before the new year, I was playing step three of non-league, um, so seventh division, um, seventh tier of English football. And then obviously with the second lockdown um, or the third lockdown, um, all step three and below was considered non-elite. Um, so it's obviously been cancelled. Um, I was away over Christmas and New Year. I was out of the country for a bit and then um, I just, just came back a week or so ago and um, I've, I've signed for a team at Step 2, which is considered uh, elite as such. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think for me it's sort of back to normal-ish um, in terms of playing and, and training and whatnot, but obviously there's no fans allowed in. I mean, yeah. I wasn't exactly wasn't exactly playing in front of thousands as it was, but um, <laughs> yeah, f- fans are back in. So I guess I've got a, a bit of normality back from a, f- a football playing um, perspective. But no, it's, it's certainly a, a strange, strange time. And with the announcement today as well, and there's a lot of clubs that are unsure on funding and loans and all the rest of it, a lot of grey area. Mm. Yeah. It took me by surprise, that move. I, I got a phone call from your brother the other day who's, out in sunny Australia having a whale of a time, just told me that you signed for Chelmsford and you're making your debut today. I was like, where'd that come from? That's a that's a really big club, mate, and a really big move. So how, how did that come about? 
yeah, I mean, it, it was certainly a strange one. Um, so I was I was out the country for a month. I was in in Latin America. Like I say, you love it all of you. Every every um, other week, I see yeah. you in the country. Yes, it's, it's been noticed. Yeah, it's been noted. Um, yeah so, so, so basically, I, I came back. Um, I actually had a few offers before I went away um, to play step two football again, um, the same in summer. Um, but I was sort of okay where I was, and then I've come back. Um, I wasn't really too fussed about playing football in the in the most respectful way possible. Mm. Um, but yeah, I had a, another few teams come in. Um, non-league's funny as well because you know goals are a, a rare commodity and if a team needs a striker they need a striker um, yeah. and if you score goals at that kind of level then you know you're always prone to getting a, a phone call or two um, so yeah a few teams came in I decided Chelmsford was maybe yeah maybe probably the best the best option for me um, at present um, and yeah I just sort of got myself as fit as I quickly could they came in on a Friday. I spoke to them on a Friday. Went and trained Saturday morning, and then of course started Tuesday night, which was uh, which was good to get back playing. And for sort of riding at the deep end, ended up playing full ninety. Which uh, yeah, two days on, I still can't walk. But other than that, it's all good. Got a debut goal as well, didn't you? Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm glad someone mentioned it. Yeah, I was going to wait and see you, Danny. I thought you're too. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're too <laughs> humble to mention it. There's no way you're that humble. But um, no, that's brilliant, mate. It's, it's, it's always good to, to hit the ground. As a, as a forward, it's always good to hit yeah. the ground running um, and get an early goal. You don't want to get Do a hat because in the bar, bar set a bit high. <laughs> Do you want to talk us about a goal? Are we talking a tap in from a scramble uh, or is this a 30-yard thunderbolt? Or Tell him, Harry, I don't do tappings, mate. <laughs> to be uh, fair, Jake, Jake, loves a, Jake loves a thunderbolt. He, uh, the first ever game we went to go watch you uh, play was for Bishop Stortford and he didn't all turn up. He's like, you know, Harrison was telling me, oh, what a good player he is. Jake himself was telling me what a good player he is. And then, um, go and turn I up. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine the last of <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. To be uh, fair, you are very humble. But yeah, yeah I remember yeah. you just rocked up and actually crashed two goals into the top corner, one with the right foot, one with the left foot. So I thought, Jesus Christ, he is a player, isn't he? But um, no, no, I do. No, I've, um, call, you are a player, Call me mate. on a good day. Yeah. Call me on a good day. In, in fairness, Tuesday night, so I think we were... We were three nil down. Yeah. Three um, nil down in I think twenty fifth minute or, or, or on the mm. half hour. I don't wow. think I'd even touch the ball at this point. So I'm sort of mm. stood there thinking it's a rough gig this one. Um, but now you know as a forward you always you always have the belief you're going to nick a goal. Me personally, um, always had the belief I was going to nick a goal. Um, I actually had one disallowed about five minutes before I scored, and I'm, mm. I'm adamant I was onside. They've not included it in the highlights because I was definitely onside. Um, yeah, and then and then, I, and then I, once I'd sort of seen the net bulge and it had been disallowed, I was sort of bit between my teeth again. Um, yeah. Got one, and then someone bundled me over on the edge just before half time, and then our lads whipped an unbelievable free kick in the top bin. Um, so three two again as a half time, and it was sort of a bit more back to normality type thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I'm not I'm just saying. Here, chaps, so I'm just, uh, I've just got to just turn something off. I'm still here, chaps. So that's all good, mate. It's all good, mate. Visual. We're not a very serious podcast, so we'll probably just leave this in, mate. Just crack on with it. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah. Keeps it rustic. Yeah. What are, you having, what are you having for dinner? I'm sure people love to know. Uh, what am I having for dinner? I think it's burnt now, to be fair. There's a. Uh, and that's all right. Uh, just a bit of sweet <laughs> potato, a um, bit of salmon, a few greens. Mod- model athlete that I am. Yeah, diet of a footballer. Yeah. yeah, to be fair, you, have a, you do have a model diet. Yeah, yeah, you do all right. Yeah. You do all right. 
yeah. I'm not just saying it because you're here, Jake. I know Richard wants to ask you a few questions, but I want to I want to jump into this quickly. Um, I'm not just saying it because yeah. you're in because you're my mate, but um, you know, you have played for some really big non-league clubs in your time. Um, AFC Hayes, Hendon, uh, Bishop Stortford, Morden and Tiptree, Braintree, probably one of the biggest. Um, but there's a, there's a period in your career quite recently, um, and I use you as an example to a lot of um, players nowadays that ask me, is it too late? And you are living proof that it isn't because you joined Bishop... No, you joined, sorry, Shelfont St. Peter. Um, what, what step were they in at the time or what division? I was playing step four. So right, three divisions so, below the conference. Yeah. So then you obviously smashed it out of the park there. Then you climbed a few divisions above, didn't you, to go to Bishop Stortford. Smashed it out of the park there, then climbed a couple more divisions or whatever it might have been to go and join Braintree Town, which at the time were National League, which is one league below League Two. And you'd climbed those divisions, climbed, you know, however many tiers in the space of a few months, wasn't it? And just because of yeah. your performances. Yeah, yeah. I think I think especially in non-league, um, especially in recent years as well, you see a lot of players um, nick moves um, based on you know, just consistent performances or not even necessarily just consistent performances. I mean, if you're a forward and you're scoring goals, yeah. um, you know, you're always going to gather interest. I think, that especially as a forward, um, you know, like I say, if, if your name is in the paper every week, then people take note, people notice, people always want to take a chance on players. And I think for myself, where where I maybe, I, I tick quite a lot of boxes from certainly a non-league standpoint and like the style of English football, um, then yeah, I think I was quite well suited to the moves that I made. Um, but I think, like you say, with I think it was literally the space of about three months um, mm. or four months maximum, and that's including a pre-season. Um, yeah. that I went from step four to, to the National League um, within the space of playing about 10 games, 15 games, something yeah. like that. How did you find that, that jump in terms, of, uh, in terms of the level? Did you find out a big gap or were you able to go... Um, I think obviously I'd, I'd played step three before, so going from step step four to step three was not as big a, a, a golf. Um, but then going from step three to the conference national, um, yeah. you know, the conference premier, that that I'll be honest, it was a, a very big jump. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't even fully fit at the time, so I was going in sort of a, a little bit blind. Um, but but there are there are some very big differences between the conference national um, and and step three as well. They do say that the conference national is um, like an extension of League Two. You got to think yeah. about it. Yeah. You've got some huge clubs. I mean, the season I did in the conference, you had like uh, Leighton Orient, Salford City, um, Wrexham, big big yeah. teams, um, big household names, and I think in that league there's 24 teams. The year I was in there, 21 of them were full time, so there was only three yeah, part time teams. Um, yeah. So, so it's a seriously competitive league. I mean, I think just to give you sort of a bit of context, the season that I played in the conference, you had uh, John, is it John? Not John Rooney, uh, Adam Rooney. Sorry, yeah. um, who was at Aberdeen the season before, mm. qualified for Europa League football with Aberdeen, and he went from Aberdeen Europa League to sign for Salford City in the conference. Yeah. Wow. I think it was on about four, it was on four grand a week, I think the rumour was. Um, so wow. it kind of shows you the, the kind of level you're going from that, while well, I was going from step three to that. So yeah, there was definitely a big jump. What were the biggest That's something differences? That me, and, me and Harry speak about a little bit. Sorry, Harry, just one thing I was going to no, say. Yeah, yeah. We, we speak to a lot of people, um, like players get in touch with us from Europe and, and different places. And I think what people don't quite understand is the depth 
of English football and the depth of um, talent all the way through. Like you said, yeah. basically National League, um, it's, a, it's an extension of League Two. Most of those clubs are household names. And like the, the transfer you mentioned, Rooney, Graham Aberdeen, um, is it, huge. So we do get contacted by young players trying to, trying to get yeah. a move or trying to gauge the level and things like that. And I think if you, don't, if you don't know it, you don't understand just how deep the level goes and the quality goes. So that's, yeah, I think absolutely. that's that's good insight absolutely. right there. Was the, was the main difference uh, physical or did you find a, a technical gap as well? I think, uh, yeah, to, I mean, just touching on what you say there, I think that's where England is so different and so unique to any other country in the world. Um, yeah. You know, like, say, for example, League One or League Two in the UK and you compare it to League One or League Two in, like, France or, or Spain or Germany, they're like incomparable um you know if if you go if you go to sort of like tier three tier four in abroad then you're you're looking at like really small attendances like not a very good level of football whereas in england you know right down step two that i'm playing at the moment of non-league and step three you the the quality is frightening and i guess everybody wants to play in the uk as well especially in Mm. europe um Mm. the, the, the main difference for the for going up to the conference national I would say physicality, absolutely. Um, you know, I went from playing against you know, centre halves to playing against centre halves that were no shorter than six foot three and built like you know brick shit houses. Um, you don't get you don't get anything for free. You do not get anything mm-hmm. for free. And it, and it, at that level as well, if, if you miss a chance in a, in the national, the other team will go up the other end and they will punish you. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say that's probably the main difference is the people. Players do things a lot more efficiently. Um, the, the pace of that league is ferocious as well. The physicality, and, and again, you will get punished very, very, very quickly, very easily. Did you have? Did you have a lot of, of players? Or did you have players coming through at those at those different levels on loan from uh, clubs higher up, on loan from League One, League Two, Championship, whatever it might be? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We had a, a striker on loan from Nottingham Forest under twenty threes. I think he was a, a, a pretty pretty hot shot at the time um yeah even the level i'm playing at now you, you get that right step three even step four but throughout the conference tiers and, uh, and step three you get a lot of league one and league two lone players um trying to cut their teeth and uh get a nasty surprise in some cases yeah i was gonna say how important do you think it is for let's say that you are a player at an academy a young player that hasn't been exposed yet to real first team football um mm. how important do you think it is to go out and get those loans for those players whether it's step three step two um or maybe even you said step four do you think do you think that the level is vitally important that you go and get loan out or do you think the main thing is to go out and get loan experience playing with men playing on a first team pitch i'd say it's absolutely imperative i think there is nothing i mean you know me harry i'm quite quite an old school style player you yeah know, I'm, I'm quite quite raw quite aggressive quite direct um and i think when you play non-league and you're you have to experience that. That's that's what puts hairs in your chest. If you can go in somewhere and, you know, put, play with men um, and, you know, it's learning sides of the game that, that you probably might not get at an academy. So things like things like game management, yeah. seriously, seriously vital stuff that, you know, even as cliche as it sounds, you know, that the passion that you get at that kind of mm. level, you know, you've got lads turning up, they've done a nine to five on a building site or whatever. Um, so I think it's absolutely imperative, especially League One and League Two. I mean, if you're if you're sort of 17, 18, 19 and, and you've got a bit of a 
a bit of a future ahead of yourself, there is there is no shame in you know playing step three non-league, step two, or in the national because yeah, I mean if, if you can do it there, then then you've got a chance of kicking on and doing it. From, doing it in the league, absolutely. From your experience, how are those young players who perhaps haven't been exposed to real football, how are they welcomed into the dressing rooms at the clubs you've played for? Because obviously, as you said, you've got now men now that are taking this very serious. Yeah. It's an extra bit of money. How are those and players? Matters. You've got the, the, every game matters, matters now. Every game matters. Yeah. And you've, got, you've got young players that are coming from the pristine and lovely academies that everything's sort of like quite nice. How are those players welcomed into the dressing rooms um, as characters from your um, Good question. Good question. I think non-league is a deceptively f- friendly environment, you know, especially if you go into a change room, you know, every, everybody's very warm with you. I think if you're coming from a pro pro club as well, you, you know, you're there for a reason. People respect you. You know, you've got yeah. you've come with a badge. Um, but I think it goes one of two ways very quickly. If you, if, mm. if players are coming and they toss it off and and they're not really fussed and they're just sort of there because they've been told to be there, then they'll get found out really quickly um, and they'll get sent back very quickly as well. But if they come in, they roll their sleeves up and, you know, they want to do well um, and, and, you know, they, they put the effort in and you can see that they're actually sort of playing for their future, um, then it's definitely a win-win. And, yeah, like I say, I, I played up top with, uh, with a lad that we had on loan from, uh, I think it's from Oxford City, Oxford United, sorry. Um, so yes, yeah, so I played with him, and like I say, he worked his nuts off. He, he's you know a very technical player as well. He got himself an assist for the equaliser, and you can't really ask much more than that. Mm. No, definitely. I think, definitely. I think that's, one we, that's one thing we come across a lot is um, is players, young players at academies, perhaps not understanding um, the, the the necessary side of of playing at the level of player, and some of the key points you've mentioned there, like the fact that it matters. Uh, the fact that uh, the dressing room or the group as a whole expect you to come in, and it should be a given that you're going to work your nuts off, you're going to you're going to roll up your sleeves, and that's the that's the path to success, whatever that might be. Um, and then the other thing being um, being ready to play with men, and and, and like the, the fact that you said when you went up to the conference national um, that nothing's for free, and I think that's partly or one of the major parts, the best education a young academy player can get is from going from that environment where it's like you play, we play. It's very nice. The ball's on the ground. It looks like the football on the belly. But it's like a, it's like diet football. It's like football light, if you know what I mean. No one's really touching each other. Yeah. If you watch 23's football or the or Premier League 2, for example, it's it, it looks like football looks like on the telly, but it's so far removed because there's not yeah. any of the stuff, the, the dirty stuff, perhaps the game management, the smart little bits like when stand still went to run um and then it's not the same level of like accountability so at the level you're talking about you know you'll have someone next to you if you're messing about on the ball if you're taking touches you don't get to take you know like you said nothing's for free mm-hmm. you're gonna find out quick yeah. that that we don't do that here you've got to you've got to do things quick you've got to move it on quickly and i think that's a massive yeah, um yeah massive education for young players and unfortunately we hear all the time about young players perhaps uh, resisting those loan moves um, because yeah, madness. They, madness. it is madness yeah. and, and these guys at clubs tear their hair they're, they're tearing their hair out I was speaking to a, a friend of mine at a, at a club last season and he was trying to um, put players on loan to that kind of level and it's almost like the player themselves is resisting it because they see well I'm at this level why would I go on loan to that level absolutely yeah. bonkers absolutely bonkers 
Yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, it's, it's like you say, is, I mean, to, to give you an example, I've played for, you know, I've been playing non-league football since I was sort of 16, 17, I'm 27 now. Um, you know, I've played for a lot of teams, like Step 3 teams is an example, where you'll play against, uh, I mean, I remember playing against the QPR under-23s team pre-season a, f- a few years ago, and I think we beat them relatively comfortably. And every single one of their players was, in terms of talent, in terms of athleticism and all the rest of it, all were miles miles ahead. We, you know, we were chasing shadows for a lot of the game. But just where the game management comes in and, you know, the nasty little bits and, you know, when to leave something in, when to waste a bit of time, just those small little things and how to actually play the game of football. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's where it goes a long way. And I think I think for a young player to, to, to come on loan um, at those kinds of levels, if you back yourself, if you back your ability for enough, I mean, even if there's, there's one person that, that listens to this or watches this, um, as someone that's been in non-league for ages and I've seen players come in and not do well and I've seen players come in and do exceptionally well and then get a loan. You know, as an example, my, my good friend, Britta Sombolonga, um, he plays for Middlesbrough now. Um, I think his first loan move from Watford at the time was to uh, Wealdstone, who was step three. Um, yeah. So like the, the Isthmian Prem. He went in, smashed it up. They sent him, they took, they recorded his loan, sent him to Braintree Town, who were in the conference. Um, he smashed that up. They pulled him back, and then I think they sent him to South End in League Two. And just just from going places, going, he went went to the bottom of the ladder. He applied himself, scored goals. You can only play in what's in front of you. You know what I mean? And if you score goals, then you'll rise. If you back yourself, then you'll rise up the levels, and you'll get a better loan move. That's 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 simply the equation. Because at the end of the day, your club are sending you out to test you to see if you can yeah. do it, to see if you can, you know, cut your teeth elsewhere. So my advice to anyone listening would be. You know, not as someone has done it, but as someone has seen this, seen players that do it, is take your loan moves, go and prove yourself. That's all you can do. That's yeah, a great that's message. Great and, you know, really good. Yeah, it's great advice, and and it, it, it's a reason why me and Richard are very keen to get people like yourself to talk to and work with the young players that we work with, because as we've said it quite a lot now, it's it's real football, and it's all well and good. And of course, you should look at people like Harry Kane, Sergio Aguero, and those players, Edison Cavani as, okay, how can I look at what they do and do what they do? But, you know, they are the, they are the, the top of the top. Not many players can ever reach that level. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but yet the level you're playing at, it's still a very real level of football. It's a very good level of football. But what someone like you can do is you can give advice to these players about certain little cheat codes Richard calls in. I like, I like that term as well. Little cheat codes, yeah. little tips that you can do. Now, it's all well and good Harry Kane saying, oh yeah, well, I just do this and hit the bottom, hit the ball in the sort of bottom corner every time. But not everyone can do that. But, you know, yeah. I remember you saying once in training, when I was training you, um, um, when you were getting back to fitness, and uh, you said, um, if you just hit the ball as quickly as you can, sometimes without even thinking, you guarantee yourself eight to 10 goals a season. And it's these little tips um, that you can give to players that are so, so important. It's little, little, because it's real football and it's a high level of football. And it's those aspects that someone like you can give to players. Um, how important do you think that is in terms of, again, like these little tips and these little bits of advice to make the best out of what you are? Not necessarily becoming the most, you know, complete player ever, but those little bits, those little cheat codes that work at all levels of football. I mean, firstly, I don't think I've ever scored eight to ten goals in a season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I mean, see, the, the little cheat codes are what wins games, um, yeah. especially in yeah. non-league. I've never played league football, you know what I mean? But, 
in non-league, I'm sure it's transversal right to the top, but they are what wins games. You know, just the, the sensible things. You know, it'll be the 89th minute you're you're winning 1-0 and the ball comes to you on the halfway line. And, you know, like you say, someone like an academy player might get it and try and run with it. And he might, you know, a defender might nick it, spin it back in the box and they equalise. Whereas someone like me is probably just going to smack it in the channel. Um, or try and hit a corner flag, and it's, it sounds it sounds John Smith's esque, you know. It sounds like let's have it, but that it's the small things that genuinely win games, um, and you only get that from playing a real level of football. Um, you know, just the smart things. You know, holding a shirt within reason, like if you're yeah. marking someone, not not giving someone an inch, and it's just like you say, the tiny little cheat codes that you only pick. You're never going to pick that up playing with with you know kids. So you're never going to pick that up. Um, like you only learn that when you come into the men's game and you take an elbow in the face and you, yeah. you know, and, and you, and you don't, don't mark a man properly in the corner and he nods in a winner. Do you know what I mean? It's not until you, you, yeah. you go through that experience and you play real games that mean something where, you know, lads that are on building sites are playing for their 50 pound a week win bonus or whatever that you, you learn those little things and you pick those little things. Up. And I'm sure it's the same in the football league, a hundred percent. If you yeah. watch, if you watch a league, next time you watch a League Two or a League One game, you watch. If a team goes one nil up, a team in the the middle or bottom third of the table goes one nil up, I guarantee you they'll, they'll slow throw-ins right down. They'll, you know, they'll be more sensible with their body positioning. You know, they'll look after the ball a bit better. Yeah, um, definitely. I saw an example. I think it was this week. Uh, the the controversial goal Man City scored to open against Villa. And, uh, you know, offside, is it offside, is it not? Tyron Mings is messing around on the ball. And Tyron Mings has put himself in a situation. I personally think that's offside. But he said afterwards, he said, I think it's offside, but I should have just cleared it. You know, we were drilled that from, from day one. If you're not sure, get rid of the ball. Yeah. So they did really well for yeah. like 70 minutes. They kept Man City out. He wasn't sure. Get rid of it. And he's learned that. That's at the very, very top level of the game. So... Yeah, like you said, yeah. you don't wait to find out. You know, you could find yeah. out afterwards, oh, yeah, you were. But he was outside. On this occasion, mm. he's supposed to go, oh, let's cut your game. I bet he wishes he just knocked it into the channel. So it's, yeah, it's applicable. You know, I, mean, I, I didn't see it. I read about it. I didn't see it. But there you go. Like I said, it, it's applicable right to the top level. You know, you'd for me personally, I'd rather see that ball in Rose Ed. I don't even care if it goes up the pitch. Just put yeah. it in Rose Ed. As yeah. long as we don't concede. You know, we're halfway towards getting something out of the game. But as you said, Jake, you're not going to learn this unless you're playing the real game of football. And those kids, with all the respect to, you know, the under-17s, under-18s, under-23s, the chances are they're not going to get those first-team opportunities straight from their academy into that first team. So they have to go yeah. out on loan to learn these things, you know. And if they wait too long, before you know it, you become 19, 20, 21, and all of a sudden there's no proof that you can belong on a first-team pitch you know, and that time goes quickly in football. There's a difference. There's a big difference between the age of 18 and being a prospect and then 19, 20. And hang on, I still haven't set foot on a first team pitch yet. There's no proof yeah. I can do it. So I think everything you've just said there is it's clear as night and day. You know, obviously every situation is different. Some players aren't ready for men's football until a certain age. But obviously you don't want to wait too long before you get that exposure to first team to give yourself the best chance of playing professional football at any level, whether that's, England and Man United or League Two and stuff and, you know, anything in between or even below. Yeah, absolutely. I think unless you're a top, top level player, you know, like you look at someone, as an example, Hudson-Odoi at Chelsea, mm. 
you know, yeah. the, the price tag he was getting touted with before he had even played games. But, yeah. you know, he, he's he's an exceptional talent. He's he's yeah. an elite level footballer. But if you're not that an elite level of footballer, and if you're not a Wayne Rooney breaking into a first team at 16, then you are just much better off just going elsewhere, playing football. Yeah. And, and I do get it, though. I do get it. If I'm if I'm a, an 18-year-old um, lad on the books, at, you know, a League One or a League Two team, do I really want to drop into non-league and turn up on a Thursday night at some, you know, Roy de Rovers training ground or, you know, it'll be some rented yeah. secondary school with yeah. a, you know, a not-so-clever 3G Astro. I, I completely get it. It's raining, but no one's wearing a training kit. It's a squad's not even got a tra- I've been there. I've done it. You know, I've, I've, I've been to teams where you've not got a training kit or the training facility is crap or it's raining or that the coach hasn't got too much of a clue what he's doing or it's just five aside for an hour. And it's if you can break yeah. through that psychological barrier to ignore that, because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that 90 minutes on a pitch. And like I say, if you're putting in an eight out of 10 performance every week, or if you're getting raving reviews, you're a defender that's you know kept three clean sheets in five games, or you're a striker or a winger that's that scored three goals in five games in, in non-league, that will go so much further than just sitting yeah. where you are and playing youth team football, definitely. Do you think young players you, need to be more honest with themselves then? Because you said it earlier about how Hassan Adoy being an elite level talent um, and how he sort of worked his way straight from Chelsea Academy into Chelsea first team. Um, but he's an elite level talent. Um, do you think that most young players need to be more honest and humble perhaps with themselves and say, you know what, um, I need to give myself the best opportunity of any pro career. I can't just think, oh, I'm the best player. I'm going to break in with my talent. Do you think more young players need to be honest with themselves with that regards? Big time. Big time. Yeah. I'd say if, if I'm if I'm in an academy of a championship or a league <coughs> league one or league two team, I'd be thinking if I'm eighteen, nineteen and I can't and I can't go into a conference national or a conference south or a conference north club and, and do it, then you're never gonna be able to do it. You know, you mm. if you can't do it at that level, then what chance have you got? And if you can't mm. handle playing with men, then then maybe it ain't for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think a lot of it's psychological, a lot of it's mindset. I think you know, I'm sure, again, I'm not an elite athlete, I'm not a professional footballer, I never have been, but I'm sure a lot of it is psychological. It's, it's have you got, you know, what it takes in terms of grit? Have you got that determination? Have you got, you know, that toughness between between your ears to, to go somewhere and prove yourself? And if you haven't got that to be a footballer, then I, I think you're going to get lost before you even get near a first-team opportunity. You said something, you said something a few times, actually, which is... Um, Mine's just said it by a psychological mindset thing. Uh, same exact same thing, which is back yourself. So it's it's funny that different players we've spoken to at different levels, League Two, League One, Championship, and, and levels you're playing at, saying a similar thing of um, you've got to back yourself. Like you've got yourself in front of goal, you've got to back yourself to be able to play at that level. You you made a big jump up from step three and then up into the, the conference national. You've got to back yourself. And I think hearing that from you, obviously, that's a reflection of your mindset. Uh, you've got confidence to do it and put yourself in that arena and then say, well, I can play at this level. That's no problem. And it's interesting. We've heard the same, the same words from, from other players. So maybe that's, that's a characteristic yeah. that, that anyone who's trying to achieve, uh, you know, reaching their potential has, has got that within them, that inner drive to back themselves. A hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, if I look at like Tuesday night, for example, my, my debut for, for Chelmsford City, you know, we're three nil down and uh, it's a pretty tired situation. But, 
you yeah. know, you've just got to, you've just got to believe something's going to happen. Um, you know, like I'd say maybe me playing in the conference. Uh, some people might say that that's above and beyond my my levels as like technical levels as a footballer because I'm not I'm not a great footballer. You know, I'm, I'm a bit of a probably a bit of a battering ram, and you know, my goal record's not bad. But you know, every time I step on a pitch, I could. I could miss five one-on-ones in a game, but it could get to the 89th minute and I'd still believe that I was going to score a goal. And I'm sure a lot of the players in Championship, League One, League Two, they're, they're of a similar mindset, you know, where they, you know, they're yeah. probably players in their division or maybe the division above that are better than them, but, um, uh, sorry, the, the division below them um, that are better than them, but their mindset just puts them in a different a different sort of stratosphere to to the players that are, you know, just as good, if not better, but playing lower levels because they can dig in. You know, they, they've they've got that self belief, and a hundred percent. My experience of playing football, self belief is pretty much everything. You know, because it's you're going to get times when it really isn't easy. There are going to be times where you, you're not asked. There are going to be times where it's so so easy to go missing, whether it's pissing down on a Tuesday night away in a place that you wish you weren't. Um, you yeah. know, if you can't if if you can't dig in, then you're going to struggle. Well, it's interesting you saying that about, you know, talking about yourself as a player. Um, and it's really interesting because when you get talented academy players that come and work with me and Richard, you know, a lot of them can look very, very talented. Um, but I remember the first ever proper professional player I trained on my own, maybe about five years ago, I won't say his name. But when I first trained him, if you were just a bystander walking, walking across and you saw him train, you would never think that he was playing at the level that he played at. You know, he's a player that's gone for multi-millions of pounds. But what he's done, and which is what a lot of players really need to know, is that he made sure, and it's similar to what you've done, he made himself the best possible version of what he could do. It didn't matter if he couldn't do some other stuff, but he made sure that what he was good at was effective on a football pitch. So he couldn't do amazing things with the football. He was quite stiff, wasn't amazing technically, but he knew how to use his body well. He knew how to play back to goal. Yeah, there you go. It's you, mate. But that is the thing. It's like as you get higher up and you get older and you, you know, get onto those kinds of pitches that you play on, that he played on, it's not always about who the most talented is. It's about how do you make sure that you yourself are effective on a football pitch in your way? You know, you don't have to be able to do everything, but you have to make sure that what you do does work on a real football pitch. And I think that's what a lot of players need to learn as well, a lot of young players. You know, you can think how talented you are, but it's got to belong on a first-team men's football pitch. And that's what someone like you have done. That's what he'd done. And that's what I think a lot of yeah. young players need to learn as well. Make sure that, you know, because when you get older, you know, it probably, you probably, you have to lose certain things, don't you? You have to become an even yeah. more, more and more specific as a footballer. Trim it you know, down. Making sure, you got to trim, yeah, that's a good way to say it. You've got to trim yeah, it down what you can do. But what you can do, it doesn't matter if you can't do certain things, as long as what you can do is effective and belongs at that level. And that's what I think a lot of young players need to understand as well, isn't it? Spot on, absolutely spot. I couldn't agree more with that. Um, you know, especially in terms. I think the key word to use there is you know effectiveness. Like, how well can you apply that on a football pitch? I think that's like a, you know, leading on from what you're saying. Like, if you're good at something, you make sure you're good at it. Don't try and be a player that you're not because mm-hmm. you know it's like for myself. You know, I'm I'm very much a target man. Um, you know, I'm six foot two, a little bit of a lump. Like, I'll, I'm probably spend a lot of the game with my back to goal. Um, you know, I can go in behind, but I spend a lot of my game with my back to goal. And you know, in training, you probably look at a player like myself, and you'd think, Jesus Christ, is this our number nine? He's not. He's not. He's not very good, you know. Because I'm, you know, I'm not great in training. You're, you're not going to see me pick the ball up 
50 yards from goal, you know, roulette on it and take five people on and manipulate the ball through someone's like that's 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 not me as a player. But you know, when I do get on a pitch, you know, I know my role and I stick to it. And like you say, you, you know, if, if you're good at something and it's effective and it's it's going to work in the format of football you play, then if you get that nailed on, then you're giving yourself the best chance possible. That's the thing you see it all the time, don't you? You can have the really talented player that can do amazing things, um, stick a ball through anyone's legs. But when you get on a real football yeah. pitch, he's had he's had two shots and zero goals. And then someone like yourself that can't yeah. do those things but knows what he's good at and is effective has had five shots and got two goals. Now, who are you picking? Who's won the game of football? Yeah, That's exactly, what it's all about. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I've seen I've, I've seen a fair few of those, you know, lads in training that are complete well beaters. You know, they're yeah. they're doing yeah. they're, they're doing things that I, I couldn't do on a PlayStation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And um and yeah, you get them on a pitch, especially in non-league, and they go missing. But and it's it's not yeah, it's not disregarding those talents, by the way. It's not disregarding them, but it's saying if you mm. make sure that it's effective, that's the point we're making, isn't it? Make sure you're effective. It, Absolutely. It, you know, you you can be, of course you could be a phenomenal talent, do everything with a ball, and if you're effective, amazing, fantastic. But if it's not effective, then it doesn't belong on a football pitch, does it? Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I think that's I think that's partly partly from the academy, so Harry. So you know we, yeah. we deal with a lot of players, and they reach in too old an age without having a proper identity of of what they are or what they're going to become as a footballer. So you know you, yeah. you tend to find. I remember doing a session a few years back, and it was talented. Uh, Is it positionally as well? Yeah, yeah. So they, they they've not honed into a position, and they've not honed into um, like roles and responsibilities yet. So they're very talented. So if everything's fine, if, if we're playing in the sunshine and, and it's a, a good pitch at a good level, whatever, and everyone's playing ball to feet, then I look like a good player. But then when you're up against it, you're away from home, the wind's swirling, um, you know, you're 3-0 down at half time and you, know, you get battered. Okay, what have you got now? What can you go to? What skill set can you tap into that's going to get us out of this hole? Because your rollers and stepovers and pirouettes and whatever, it's not going to do it. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's the trouble young players have is is because we talk about this all the time. The level of young players coming through, I believe, is getting higher and higher in terms of technical ability. But I actually believe it's getting a little bit lower in terms of like playing the game, understanding normal football um, at a young yeah. age. I think it takes them a little bit longer. So I, I remember. 17, 18. If you had to, you, you could play a lot of different positions because you would figure it out. I know how you're keen on yeah. this. Like you, you would go and say, yeah. okay, if you, maybe if you're a number 10, it's going to be difficult to play step back whatever because it's so different. But you could figure things out from position to position and you could say, okay, well, I, I can hang on here for half an hour and I'm not going to let anyone down. I think young players yeah. struggle with that more now. Uh, technically they're better but game management and game understanding I think they're a little bit worse if I'm honest yeah if you listen to like a, a lot of the um, like the the old pros on podcasts and stuff they always talk about sort of reserve team football um, yeah and, and you know like I remember like I'm 27 so growing up I used to watch a lot of reserve team football firstly because it was free and, um, <laughs> and secondly because if you went to reserve team football you know I live in North London so you had like Tottenham and Arsenal. I used to always go and watch Arsenal reserves because you'd, you know, you'd have Dennis Bergkamp coming back from a hamstring strain, you know, playing uh, like the high Barnett's old, uh, yeah. uh, the Underhill, sorry, Barnett's old ground, you know, on, on a Tuesday night. And you'd have like this, this culmination of, 
you know, serious senior pros, um, you know, lads trying to prove themselves, you know, young young players and all the rest of it. And I think reserve team football then, from, from from what I saw and what I experienced and what you hear the pros talk about, like that was proper football. That was men's football. Um, you know, you could be like an 18-year-old centre forward and you're you're coming up against Sol Campbell who's coming back from a from a yeah. rolled ankle. You know, that that's proper experience. But like you say now, um, players don't get that because they're just playing with their age group or playing like up a year or two. But you don't, yeah, you get brilliant football and all the rest of it, and it's but it's not it's not real football, um, which is yeah. why I think non-league is so beneficial to to young players at, at, at good clubs, Championship, League One, League Two. That's where non-league can be a huge assistance and a really good measuring stick of, of whether a player is going to make it or not as well. You've, you've you said a few times. Sorry, Harry, go on. Go on, go on. No, no, go on, Rich. Go on, Rich. I was going to say, have you, have you had any coaches in particular? Like, you've played at that level for a long time now. You're 27. But are there any coaches that stand out or players like, like a strike partner or anything like that that you learned a lot from as like a mentor or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, even players that weren't sort of necessarily playing in my position. And again, it, it will be the things, things like you know say you've you've been pumped the ball and you've not you've tried to turn on it or or something like that and you'll get an experienced head come to you and say right for the next 10 minutes all I want you to do is trap the ball with your back to goal set it off to maximum three touch get it under set it back to a midfielder or a winger and spin and get in the box you know small things like that that yeah. probably wouldn't get coached I mean I don't know I don't know if you guys you know would see that being coached in an academy or something but you know, just doing that for, for like 10, 15 minutes of a game and just, you know, watching yourself go back to basics, get in the box, do, you know, it's it's about good habits as well. I think that's an important thing is is getting into the good habits of the basics, um, which is where, where non-league can be so so effective. And and yeah, managers as well, just yeah, just just small things like that that make a huge, huge difference. Um, yeah, huge difference. I can see Richard is about to say his New Zealand quote. Go on, Rich, I know you love it. Every podcast no, no, I hear this. I, no, every no, podcast no. I hear about the New Zealand rugby team. Every go and say it. We might. I, I like it, but it wasn't in my mind. It was um. So they, you obviously know about the New Zealand All Blacks. It's probably one of the greatest I, teams. I listened to your last episode. I did listen. Yeah. To so there you go. Right. So you know it already. Is, yeah. Is, so is, is the, the basics done to a high standard? Maybe not the exact wording, but the yeah. The so principle. be world world class at the basics. So I think that's that's the, that's the message, Spot which I'm a massive fan of. Yeah. It's yeah, it's true, yeah, and yeah, that goes that goes across all sports. I think it's I think it's a great message. Jake, you've you've said a few times that obviously you're not an elite athlete, but you know you've played a seriously high level of football. You continue to, uh, I would say, it's a, a level of football that actually most people in this country obviously would be very very jealous of. But in terms of making that final push and going to play pro, how many times in your career did you do you feel like looking back on it that the door was maybe? slightly open and that in another if you've done things slightly differently or in another life you could have perhaps got your foot in the door in terms of a pro footballer how was that do you think there was those opportunities for yourself in, in looking back um yeah um in answer to that do I think I'm good enough to do professional football I don't know I don't know but um I had two two probably moments in my you know if you can call it a career where where there was an opportunity to maybe go full time. Um, the the first of which was when I was eighteen, um, and I was playing for a team called East Thurrock United at the time. So I just started playing men's football, 
and it was around about Christmas time. It might have been the turn of the new year. And um, I'd, I'd scored a few goals in the Roman Premier. Um, no, I'd, I'd gone to another team at Avely in the Roman Premier. I scored a couple of goals. And um, and I was on trial with Burton Albion. Um, I got invited to go into Burton Albion. And at the time, their manager was, was it Petrescu? Uh, Petrescu? Uh, I can't remember his name. The, the Romanian footballer he played in this country. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so I went on trial with Burton Albion. We played away at Coventry. Um, so it was like an under-19s game or something like that. I was 18 at the time. And um, I scored an absolute worldie. Um, I think in about the, nice. the fifth minute, and we won the game one nil. And um, at the time, I was told that I think it was the first time that Burton had beaten Coventry at sort of any level because obviously it's a bit of a derby. Mm. And then on top of that, Coventry obviously a massive club, and Burton Albion, you know, not not so much. I think it was the first time they'd ever beaten Coventry at that sort of level. Um, and I, I just had one of those days where everything I touched was was just top draw. And um, yeah. you know, I had like I think it was like the head of recruitment, the youth team manager, the reserve team manager, the first team coach, the, all the rest of it. They were all there. Um, they were all very impressed with me. And um, I got called back to play in a reserve team game um, against Stoke at the Britannia. And um, it was it was just a freak week where it where it snowed. Um, so a week went. So the game got cancelled. Um, I was supposed to. I was supposed to be playing with Mario Balotelli's brother. Funnily enough, wow. Um, I, I I always remember. That. I don't know if he's any good, but I just remember. I just remember the reserve team managed to tell him, "Yeah, you'd be in with Mario Balotelli's." But I think that Stoke had a, a few decent players coming back from injury or whatever that, that they wanted to play. Yeah, and um, yeah. So so was... sorry. Yeah. So um, that the snow messed that one up. And then um, I think, and then another week went by, and uh, the whole the first team manager got the sack. I can't remember his name. I'm sure he was a Romanian guy. Um, so the first team manager got the sack, and obviously, you know, that level of football league. I think they were League One at the time. Um, yeah, I think Burton were League One at the time, and um, obviously the whole infrastructure just got the sack. And I remember the reserve team manager rang me up. He didn't even message. He called me and he said, "Listen, I'm I'm so sorry, but." You know, I know you're supposed to play in the reserve team game, and we, we had the first team manager coming to to take a look at you mm. and and other players, and it's just it's just, that's just football, isn't it? So I guess I got a little bit unlucky on that one, and then yeah. I wouldn't I'd I'd say after that, from the age of well, from when I turned sort of nineteen, I just was a bit disillusioned with football, and I, I think I didn't play for about a year, or, or I took about six months out or whatever. Um, I didn't play properly the season after. Um, just sort of helped out a mates team. And then I would say my only other time that I was close to to having a sniff at full time football was when I was at Bishop Stortford. Um, so I went there, step three, good club, good reputation of developing um, players um, like, like Dwight Gale and players like that. And um, I went, I think I scored nine goals in 10 games or eight goals in nine games. Um, and I know that I had like teams like Leighton Orient watching. Um, and I think if I'd, and I was only just getting fit as well. So I think if I'd stayed there, if I'd carried on in that goal scoring form and our team was only getting better, we were dreadful when I first started um, mm. my first game. And then by the ninth game, we'd had a new manager and, you know, a bit of an investment in playing budget. Um, yeah, I was, I was, I would, it was one of those ones. Every time I stepped on the pitch, I was going to score a goal. Um, I think if I'd stayed there till, even if I'd stayed there for another month or if I'd stayed there till Christmas and not gotten injured and scored those kind of goals, 
with the kind of players that were getting moves from non-league. Um, and like I say, the fact that I'm, you know, have like a good physique for, for, for maybe league football, and which I think is a big box for a centre-forward, then I think, who knows, who knows what could have happened. But of course, what I did is I chose to, because at that time, well, from from probably the age of about 21, my, my career was my sole focus anyway. Um, so I maybe wrongly prioritised work. And I, I stayed, I went to Braintree to stay part-time. Um, and just sort of give it a go, see how it went. Um, but yeah, had I had I stayed at Bishop's Dortford and carried on scoring the way I was scoring, then there's no doubt, you know, that the interest would have continued and probably gathered and sort of snowballed somewhat. Would you do anything different? Um, I mean, if you're talking from a football perspective, I'd do everything different. <laughs> like I say, wait, wait. If, if you're talking about if you're talking about football, then I've I've made so many poor decisions and I I tossed it off. I've I went through like yeah. two three years from the age of about twenty one to twenty three or twenty four. Why I didn't even train? Um, you know, I would just go and play for a step four side where I could start every week. Know the number nine shirt was mine. Um, I didn't take football seriously, and it's a shame, really, but. From a life perspective, you know, I've I've lived a great life. I've I've built a great career. Um, you know, I've done a lot of traveling. Um, you know, I've I've had a, I've enjoyed myself on this planet to say the least. So, yeah, yeah. from a life perspective, I've got no regrets, none whatsoever. But from a football perspective, there's definitely a part of me that thinks, why didn't I take it? If I'd taken it seriously when I was younger, if I'd kicked on at eighteen, nineteen, rather than sacking it off, um, and then if if I'd stayed at Stortford and not gone to Braintree um, and played, if I'd actually played for a pro move, then then who knows? It would just just from a, a purely a fascination perspective. Um, yeah. But for me, football football's always just been a case of, of fitting it in around the rest of my life. I'm um, I'm always going to play football, whether it's on a Sunday with my mates or whether it's you know getting paid to do so, um, which I'm fortunate enough to do. Um, it's just a case of fitting in what works with my schedule, with work and life. But no, listen again. I'm I'm not saying that I'm good enough to play in the league or anything. But I wouldn't wouldn't mind in one appearance, you know. Yeah. Well, no, mate. Honestly, you've you've played a seriously high level of football, and I'm not just saying it because you're in your one mate. But I I'm sure Rich will say the same. This has honestly been one of my favourite podcasts we've done so far, and. I'm going to make sure that every single player that we work with, I'm not just saying this, every single one listens to every second of this interview, um, you know, this yeah. podcast, because the message you're saying is it, so important to hear. You hear interviews all the time from, again, we've already said the names of Harry Kane and all this, but they've had the amazing career where it's, of course, they've had downsides, but it's still like downsides playing pro football. Do you know what I mean? Having those contracts, mm. you know. You've had this experience, you know. It could have you said you said yourself it could have gone differently, and um, I think it's been brilliant, mate. I've really, really enjoyed uh, chatting to you about it. Um, I'm sure Richard will say the same, but really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. And I really hope people listen to it because it's football in a real sense. It is real football, and it shows you um, the trials and tribulations, how close you can be, um, how much, how much perhaps people on the outside don't see goes into it. Do you know what I mean? Um, I'm sure Richard, you'll say the same. Yeah, just quick messages for for lots of the people um, that, that we reach out to and, and work with. I think some of the stuff you've mentioned today is, is like absolutely invaluable. Um, from messages about mindset, uh, back yourself, that kind of a thing. Um, messages about 
you know, young players coming out of the academy system, playing um, playing men's football, learning the cheat codes, game management, and those things. And then also your journey of talking about little bits of regret here and there. Uh, ultimately, your like passion for football keeping you in it and wanting to still play at a high level, which you're doing. I think it's fascinating. And I think there's loads of stuff that young people, especially young people, can take away from that. Um, uh, if, they, if they're kind of to, to go into football or, or continuing football, whatever, there's going to be something for a lot of people there, mate. So we really appreciate it. I think it's been great. Yeah, oh, you're, you're both too kind. That's uh, much appreciated. It's been been good coming on, and yeah, if, if anybody can take a bit of a uh, bit of insight or you know a bit of knowledge from it, and it helps someone kick on in some way, then then that's brilliant. You know, I'd I'd love for that to happen. Uh, fantastic, yeah, both gents. Thank you no, very much fantastic. for having me on, lads. Before before Tom, you man. go, uh, before you go, or before we end, rather, uh, me and Richard have some exciting news to announce. Jake, do you want to stay for the exciting news, mate, or do you want to sort off? I'm here. Don't worry. I'm You're here. here. Okay. So <laughs> I want to hear. Um, you want to hear it? Well, yeah, I I'm hoping you're going to be one of our subscribers because I am delighted to announce that we are going to be turning this podcast into a Patreon. Now, uh, for those of you who are worried that there's going to be another thing you have to pay for, don't worry. We're still going to be giving the one weekly um, free podcast that we do anyway, which is out on Fridays. Um, so lucky you, you'll be able to listen to this one free of charge. But, you know, we do get a lot of requests to do certain things in terms of um, – really in-depth um, tactical analysis, perhaps other interviews. Um, and Richard, something that me and you really want to do, we want to provide more content, but obviously it is going to take up quite a bit of time. We've got some exciting things that we've got planned. So we're going to be doing uh, a Tactical Tuesdays every week. We're going to be getting lots of guest interviews on um, from the people in football. We're going to be doing Q&As. We're, uh, we're going to have a European segment or a rest of the world segment, I should say. Yeah. Um, and hopefully it's going to be content that people are happy to pay five pound a week for. I mean, it's the, basically the price of two costs of coffees. Jake, would you would you sacrifice two costs of coffees for a, for a five pound subscription a week? Yeah, if I, if I drink coffee, yeah, that's it. It'll be it'll be a beer. It'll be a beer I'm sacrificing, so it's a slightly tougher call. Um, but yeah, um, listen, I'm, I've listened that's, that's to the podcast so far. I've listened to the podcast so far and you, the, the content is blinding from you chaps. I know you, you've got my father locked in. Yeah. We, we paid him to say that. Thanks a lot, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, Harry, I can it. see yeah, your so... tactics put in the background as well, mate. So you, you're already geared. Well, I, I, yeah, I angled the camera there just in case. You can see kind of what we're working on. So we've already filmed our first yeah. ever Tactical Tuesday. So that will be out next week because we are turning it into a Patreon. I mean, I need to talk to our producer. Um, that's how disorganized we are. But hopefully by tonight, uh, but hopefully by the time that you guys listen to this, there'll be some kind of link where you can sign up. Uh, we'd really appreciate um, you signing up and subscribing and getting other people to do it. If you can't, we understand that it's a tough time right now and there will still be the free weekly pod. But uh, if you can spare a five up, we would really appreciate it. Uh, all that's left for me to do is say thanks to Richards. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks to Jake. Thanks, Jake, for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. Lots of love, chaps. Nice Thanks one. to you guys. Thanks to you guys, the listeners. Stay safe and see you soon.